Welcome to the WrestleBall Podcast. We are your host, as always. My name is Joseph Ty, joined across the city uh, from his home in Scarborough. It's my good friend, Mark Belraj. Mark, man, what's going on? Hey, what up, what up? I'm Mark from the boroughs. Not much is going on. Another Just, weekend uh, in uh, isolation. Yes, that is correct. Although I'm looking over uh, at the highway right now and I'm it's seeing busy. tons of cars on the highway. So Dude, I don't it's know. busy. You know what it is too? It's Mother's Day. So people are picking up shit and... Yeah, that's true too. So, <laughs> but uh, even yesterday, I noticed uh, the roads were pretty busy. That, yeah, you know what? It's true. Uh, even if you go for a drive, you'll notice people on the sidewalks. A lot of people out there. So I, I don't blame them. The weather's getting a little better, but uh, let's just wait it out, guys. I think Ontario has a plan to... Uh, open everything up shortly yeah. uh that said uh as you said it's mother's day happy mother's day to all the mothers out there including mine and yours and all and all mothers um that said you're listening to the WrestleBall podcast so let's get right into it yesterday was a ufc event the first live sporting event we've seen in quite some well, time yeah. if you're disregarding wrestling obviously um but in terms of com actual competitive sports, UFC has been the first to do it. Uh, what would you think, man? I know you were watching it. I watched it as well. It was a good event, I think. It was a good event. Uh, all the fights were pretty entertaining. Um, man, Francis, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name as I always do. Naganu, I believe. Yeah, Nagano, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. But anyways, he's gone. Uh, that, was, that was insane. He won the match. 20 seconds into it and he just oh my god uh i think rosen sorry if i mispronounced that as well uh he just uh i don't think he respected him at all he didn't respect francis at all i don't even know much about uh he was undefeated his... going into this fight was so. he okay but it must have not been against any <clears throat> big no. big big names because again i didn't really recognize his name uh but obviously i know francis and and you, like you said man he looked like a man Ooh, possessed he he beat Overeem. He beat Andre Arlovsky. Oh wow! Okay, that's about it. So those last, those are his last two fights. So in uh, Alistair Overeem, he beat him in round five of the KO, and uh, old man Andre Arlovsky, he also beat him in the first round. Uh, all right, KO, all right. TKO. So it's not impossible. Yeah, it's yeah, those are good bad. victories. Those are definitely good victories. Um, that said, I I still just didn't recognize his name, uh, but Francis looked like a man just straight possessed. He just threw. I don't even know if you call that a combo. <laughs> it was just a flurry, and he just <laughs> yeah. one of them hit, and and if any of them would have hit, he would have knocked him over. Right? Yeah, it looked like someone just, you know, dissed his mother or something because he just threw hands like nothing. So just a fun fact: fact, uh, Francis holds the world record for the most powerful punch. His punch is equivalent of 96 horsepower, which is the equivalent of being hit by a Ford Escort at top speed, <laughs> which is pretty insane. It's also the equivalent of being hit with a sledgehammer being swung full force from overhead. Right, <laughs> right. Crap. Yeah. Well, we, we know these heavyweights can bang. Like, we've seen it. Uh, and it's not bang, just yeah. Francis. Like, uh, a bunch of those guys have crazy knockout power, but Francis is yeah. definitely one of those guys I do not want to ever experience <laughs> the power of no uh that said uh where do you think this puts francis do you think it puts him in a title shot picture I, I know he was briefly talked about in a title shot picture even before this match so i'm assuming he's right there i i think so uh i think he he'd probably be an easy pick 
yeah. just to, to go for the belt at this point. He's just been knocking every in the last four fights. He's fought like I think combined like less than a minute, right, or, or something. So he's definitely earned some kind of recognition for that kind of victory. Right. That said, he's faced uh, Miocic uh, previously, I believe, and and lost. So, do you see that match going any differently? Uh, Miocic is. Uh... I feel like the the thing about Miocic is he fights very strategically. So, um, a guy yeah, like that's as what long I was say. as long as you're not turning the fight into a brawl with with uh, uh, Francis, I feel like you can definitely. It's a very winnable fight. Yeah. Oh, what do you mean for? Uh, oh, for Francis. Yeah. Oh, um... No, 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 no. For anybody who faces Francis. Yeah. I feel like as long as you don't get into a brawl with him, like you don't get into his type of fight. Yeah, uh, you can definitely game plan against a guy like Francis. So I'm looking at the UFC rankings right now. They got Cormier at number one and Francis at number two, mm. and that's updated. I think Francis was probably I don't know five or six going into that fight. Right. And Rosenstrud is number six right now, so I would assume that Francis wouldn't have been below him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he uh, is. Is DC still fighting? Like, uh, what's going on with that guy? Well, apparently they want to do the rematch with Miocic. The I guess it would be the rubber match. They got one apiece, uh, so they have to do that match. And I believe Cormier probably has one fight left, and that's probably going to be his last fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, like as it stands, I, I don't see any fight with Cormier or versus Francis or any of the other guys. I really think the only fight he has left is Miocic for that rematch. Um, he may have to fight Derek Lewis because he also lost to Derek Lewis, but that was a, uh, a decision, it looks like. Oh, Francis, you're talking about. Francis, yeah. Oh, oh sorry. Are you talking about DC? Yeah, I was talking about DC. But okay. yeah, Francis, I remember that fight actually against Lewis, and that was one of the worst fights, I think. To be fair, he <laughs> lost He lost to uh, uh, Stipe and, and, and Derek Lewis, both by unanimous decision. Right, right. And then uh, Stipe was in uh, 2018 of January. Right, yeah. So, you know, two years later. Yeah, I see you give him a shot. DC, I don't really know what the hell you're going to do there. Yeah, as it stands, I think DC, I think the next next match for Miocic has to be DC. DC is going to retire soon, so I think they do the rematch. And then after that, Francis, win or lose, probably will face um, Miocic. Uh, yeah. Because even if DC wins that title back, He's obviously going to retire. I don't think he plans on ever defending it. Um, Unless so. he's going to wait for John Jones. Because, <laughs> you know, you know Dana's going to set him up like that to face John Jones. Yeah, Only for knowing that. That jo- knowing that Jones will beat him. And then, oh, he's going to be a multi, you know, champion and different. Like, you know, it's bullshit. They're always bringing around with John Jones and he bringing the... They, they could definitely do that. But he's a golden child, man. Is, I mean, it's two, two, to, two to none. I mean, I would understand if it was one to one. You give DC a shot, but a third match, and and DC hasn't won one yet. Do you really need to do that, especially if he's? Well, that's what I'm saying. Head? It has nothing to do with DC. It has everything to do with Dana White and John Jones. Yeah. DC's the whipping boy, man. That's true. That's true. Uh, like that's... You, you, it's gonna be big. It's gonna be big for UFC because again, you're gonna get John Jones coming back from jail, or I guess what correctional or some garbage like that, whatever he got off on. And then, uh, oh, he's going to say, you know, I got to get my life back together and win this belt. Yeah, because we all go to jail and come back to fight for, you know, a heavyweight belt or any belt for that matter. So it, it, it works perfectly with Dana's plan, I think. Who knows? And you're right. Dana might 
very well throw DC under the bus, put that match together. Yeah. Uh, whatever Dana White wants, Dana gets, right? And he has the money to do it, right? Throw, throw enough money at any match, they're going to say yes. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, uh, like you said, Francis had an amazing win yesterday. Uh, I think he's earned himself a title shot. I don't really see the title shot going any differently from the last time. I think he loses to Majocic again. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he's earned it, so you got to give it to him. Uh, now, obviously, the next main event fight, the big one of the big ones was um, the uh, Bantamweight. Oh. Yeah, which was uh, Dominic Cruz versus... Um, he do. <laughs> Henry Cejudo, yeah. Henry Cejudo. He do. Um, but uh, first of all, let's talk about the match. Well, what did you think of it? It was a good match. Uh, very fast pace as i expected it to be um by two great competitors uh henry cejudo is unreal he really is he he's a guy that's gotten better every time like legitimately like passes the eye test he's gotten better well yeah he's pretty impressive and he's done in multiple weight classes as well right uh he's almost unstoppable but he's basically unstoppable yeah uh, um i agree with you i think he's he looked amazing uh yesterday um, against Dominic Cruz, too, who is basically a perennial contender at that weight class. Yeah, he has a fight in some time. I think we spoke about that last week. Uh, but still, very uh, impressive fighter to Yeah, uh, to I mean, he, he, he didn't fight in quite some time when he faced uh, Garbrandt, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was uh, TJ Dillashaw, one of those fights. But I think he also had a two-year layoff. And he still looked good. So I don't think yeah. the time off exactly you know is an excuse for any of his performances because he's always looked really good. And even yesterday, he didn't look too bad. He's just, he obviously wasn't the better of the two fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess, um, again, good Wait. match. Yeah, he hadn't fought in four years. And his last, like you said, the last match was to Garbon, who he lost to as well. So Yeah, and that was in what year? 2016. 2016. And then before then, when was his last fight? I believe it might have been a couple of years before then. No, he fought Uriah, Uriah Faber in June 2016. Okay, he fought so TJ Delshaw 2016. And then before that... Okay, so it was uh, before that, yeah, okay. Yeah, to get... What? Uh, to, oh, man. Takia Mitsugashi. Probably Mizugaki, said that yeah, yeah, Mizugaki, completely yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2014, that was a two-year layoff yeah, so that before was he fought. TJ, right? Yeah, before he fought. And then three years before that 2014 fight... Fought Demetrius Johnson. So he's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's been, he's, he has a pretty bad track record when it comes to... Exactly. Anything. So, uh, again, uh, I don't think there was any cage rust is, is kind of my point because he's used to it. He's done he's these four-year, you know, three-year layoffs, two-year layoffs. So he's used to it. But um, going back to the fight again, great fight. Um, but obviously the big announcement was Cejudo wants to retire or at yeah. least he announced it. What are your thoughts when you heard that? This man's 33 has two yeah. belts and just defended yeah. one. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it was pretty shocking. Uh, I know we talked about this before, and you're saying he isn't. He he's in his prime, so why would you do it? And I agree. I found it very shocking that he wants to give it all up. Um, so I, I was I was fairly shocked about his decision. Uh, he is 33 years old, and a, and I mean I think he could stomple you know through a few more guys easily. At least at uh, 125. Yeah. At least at 125. I, I could definitely see a few problems at 135 just because we got some bigger guys there. Mm-hmm. But even then, I put him as the favorite against most of the guys in the 135 division. Now, 
A uh, couple of things I just wanted to mention about the retirement was um, his coach, I believe, said something to, I, I'm going to paraphrase here, but basically said, you know, you add another zero to his paycheck, he, he'll definitely come out of retirement. Uh, <laughs> and uh, even Henry Cejudo said uh, he, he does want to walk away, yeah. but money talks. And he's already said that one day removed from his fight. So, I mean, to me, it kind of feels like he's trying to, pull the wool over our, over our, our eyes, trying to get more money. I think re- it makes a lot of sense, man. I, I don't think he's made enough money um, as a champion in the UFC to warrant retiring. Yeah, I, be- yeah. I believe you're right. I don't think he's been anything close to what he should be making. Yeah, that that plus the fact that he's really defended his what title once in 135 and then the 125 belt I think he defended once or twice. Yeah. Like when GSP retired, for example, he basically cleared out the division. So yeah. even though we knew that GSP could fight, um, we also knew that he basically did it all. And when we compare that to what uh, Cejudo's doing, he's definitely done it all in the sense that he's won the championship in two weight classes, but I don't think he's done it all in terms of clearing out the weight classes and, and really cementing himself in those weight classes. So just to compare, George St. Pierre's net worth is around $30 million, whereas uh, Henry Cejudo's net worth is around, and it's estimated, $1 million. Yeah, <laughs> so, so there you go. So Pretty disparaging. And don't get me wrong, like one million is a lot of money and I'm sure he has endorsements and if he wanted to, he could run a school and teach classes or, or work for the UFC or, or something like that to that effect. But I don't think he's made enough money to, to walk no. away from the sport. No, but who, who, do you ha- who would you have him fight? Well, like I, who... think he, I say he relinquishes the 125 belt and then at 135 you have, uh, what's his name, uh, Sterling. You have that other guy that um, Dana White has already said will probably get the title fight. Uh, the I think he's Russian. Mm. I, forget, I forget his name right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, I think it starts with a V, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, no, you're thinking about uh, Volkanovski. Oh, he's a uh, uh, yeah, 145. Okay. He's, Five, the he's, yeah. he's, he's the guy who's going to face Max Holloway. Oh, who beat Max Holloway actually? No, um, sure. yeah, yeah. Max um, Holloway's on the fall too now, eh? Yeah, but apparently they, they're getting the rematch. So Max Holloway is going to get the rematch against Volkanovski. That's going to be the next fight. Uh, but anyways, there's, so there are definitely some contenders at 135. Um, and Cejudo, again, he, he's not going to turn turn away that money. Especially, you know, Dana White's going to offer him something. But I heard, uh, I think uh, Henry was also calling out WWE wrestlers. I think it was Kurt Angle. and Don't even get me started. Cejudo so is he, all of five, what, five, five? Four, yeah. Oh, Rey Mysterio, he called out, yeah. No way he gets a WWE contract the way these other MMA fighters have gotten. It's right. just not big enough. I mean, we saw what happened to Cain Velasquez. They brought him in to get run over by Brock, and then they released him. So then they what, are they re- yeah, what are they going to do with Cejudo? I think he just wants to fight Rey Mysterio. And I think he called out Kurt Angle, who can't fight, so... <laughs> uh, <laughs> doesn't leave him with much choices. Yeah, he wouldn't be a very dominant force in WWE because he'd be he's so he's he's physically his height is just not yeah there. just or yeah, his, I, you know muscular. I, I don't think it just I don't think it makes sense. I don't think the WWE really needs a guy like him. No. So well, let's see if his ploy works to get more money. He definitely deserves it, but uh, is Dana willing 
really willing to pay that money out because you kind of see the disparity the disparity between uh higher weight classes and lower weight classes um because it sort of is what it is lighter weight classes they don't get that respect uh as the higher weight classes do that the light heavyweights do that the heavyweights do that the walter weights do right. you know um i don't know I, it's it's i know it's a weird thing for it's a weird thing to approach it as but uh, again george st pierre 30 million and henry cejudo 1 million i mean he's clearly not getting paid anywhere close to uh Right, a real Champion contender title, fighter, right? even yeah, though he yeah. really is, right? You're talking about a two weight so. class champ, so he should be easily making, you know, yeah. half a mil a fight at the very least. Um, so I understand what he's, you know, trying to pull here. Um, whether Dana White buys it or not, you know, it's up to Dana because the thing about Cejudo is he was never really a big, big star, and I don't know if he's no. the type of guy that's uh, Dana White is willing to kind of bring back to the because Dana White could easily say okay you want to retire you retire we'll find a new channel yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so not that, too hard I think because the, the the pace of fighting for guys in that weight class is insane these guys are so fast they're so quick I mean if one falls you'll have two other guys that can probably pick up the slack right whereas like and I'm not using him just just because but like someone like John Jones is a you know once in a lifetime kind of fighter oh yeah uh, when he is to... obviously well, participating and, and... in the ring and we've seen what Conor lengths, McGregor same way. Yeah, and we've seen for both of those guys what lengths the UFC will do to save those guys. But yeah. uh, again, you got to bring the money to the table, right? So, if you're yeah. if you're not bringing in the pay per view buys, maybe Dana White tells you to okay, go. We don't need you, kind of thing. So let's see. Yeah. But anyways, another spectacular fight in what was a really good night of uh, fights. Um, and then finally, you had the big main event, uh, Tony Ferguson uh, versus. Justin Gaichi, 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 Gaichi. Yeah, um, I gotta say, man. First of all, really, really spectacular performance by Gaichi um, for a guy who's known for brawling and, and getting wild and 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 you know getting into those type of exchanges. He had a spectacular game plan, executed it perfectly, and he looked amazing. He looked, oh man, his punches looked. Very, very crisp and very, very strong. And I was super shocked that Ferguson <laughs> didn't get knocked out. In the first round, albeit. Because yeah. like, he, he just third, he fourth, taking fourth, the fourth, fifth round, doesn't matter. Pick a round. I will yeah. show you at least two, three punches in that round that would have knocked out most people. Yeah. Yeah. So. He, uh, Tony Ferguson, uh, did not look great in that fight. Uh, Justin Gaethje looked really good. Yes. Um, I mean, there's not much more to say. He dominated the entire five rounds. Just the fact that it went to five rounds was probably Dana was probably smiling because it was looking like another really early, uh, early end to a <laughs> match, which would have really closed that pay per view off. That's quick, right. Which is what people wanted in a way too. That's. And I gotta give uh, Ferguson some credit too, because uh, I honestly thought Ferguson was still in the fight until maybe later in the fourth round, and then obviously the fifth round, uh, Ferguson was out. He was he had nothing left to offer. But even up till like I would say early in the fourth round, he was still putting a heavy pace on, still moving well, still throwing punches. Uh, so I felt like he still had you know a chance in that fight, and I wasn't you know and 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 the thing about Gaethje too is he. Uh, I don't know if he was actually tired, but he looked a little bit tired because he always had his jaw open, you know, his mouth open. Yeah. Like, 
You, you know what I'm talking about, right? But uh, yeah. but maybe that's just how he looks because when I heard him in the the post fight interview, he sounded fine. Yeah. But he he, he looked a little tired. Yeah. But so I was well, a little he, bit worried. But yeah, I think he just just beating you know just throwing all those punches definitely, and those are hard punches too. So he, it probably definitely drained him, probably in a way he wasn't expecting during training. Yeah. So I think uh, he. Because when you're throwing punches, you sort of punch with your body. So your whole body goes into it, your whole back goes into it. So if you're doing that a lot too, I can, I can see it very, you know, being a very easy to maybe tire out your back muscles, which, you know, sort of has an effect overall in the fight. So that's right. Yeah. Uh, it, it is what it is. He was fine during the press conference. So I don't, I don't think it was uh, ever really nagging him as yeah. he controlled the fight the entire time. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, now, probably the most fascinating result of the night because obviously the big fight everybody in the MMA world wanted to see was Ferguson versus uh, Habib. Now, Habib. now the Ferguson train is derailed. Um, that isn't to say he can't win a couple of fights and get back right in there, but uh, obviously the, the number one contender, or actually the interim champ now, is Gaichi. So that's Who wanted the to fight in the first place, right? That's right, yes. So that's... I mean, that's, I think what they, uh, the rumors, or at least what people wanted to see was Ferguson versus Habib, and then Gaichi versus Connor, and then winner faces winner kind of thing. Uh, but he gets the, he got the Tony fight, and he beat Tony in spectacular fashion. Uh, obviously, the next match to make is, is, is Gaichi versus uh, Habib. So, first of all, let's talk about that fight. Hypothetically, who do you got? Um,. I think I have to go Habib still. Yes, I agree. No, I mean, based off of their styles, based off of the body of work, you got to imagine that Habib will take Gaichi down and then, you know, do what he does to everybody. Yeah. That said, my God, if Gaichi claps, claps, connects with one of those punches. Yeah. It could be. I mean, it could be, but Habib has pretty stiff a concrete chin too so it he won't does. be easy he does have a very good chin as well you're absolutely right um now the other thing is what happens to tony at this point what do you do with if you're tony ferguson you just lost the fight you've basically been the number one contender for the last like three four years what do you yeah. do you continue fighting i mean he was undefeated since 2013 seven years undefeated streak um most of them submission which I can see why they were trying to get a, a fight with uh, Habib uh, going because it would have been a great wrestling match. I mean, he could still fight Habib, although Habib would probably take it as a disrespectful opponent. Um, but uh, I don't think you stop. Uh, it is what it is. You just you just met a better striker uh, than yourself. And uh, there's nothing to feel bad about. You went five rounds. You, you, you stood strong, as strong as you could anyway. Um, I think you keep going, and you just see what's next. What whoever else is in line, uh, you're definitely you're, you're you're definitely still a top five, I would say, uh, in the division easily. So, yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, in terms of Tony, is he's probably realistically the at this point the third best. He's yeah, right so- behind Gaichi. Um, my my issue is is Tony has deserved that Habib fight for literally like two three years they've been trying to make this fight for years 
Um, and it sucks to see that because he's lost now, is he any less deserving of that fight? I mean, from one standpoint, yeah, he lost. He, yeah. he doesn't deserve the next fight. But at the same time, like, he deserved the fight on, like, three previous occasions. We, when will he get it kind of thing? So it's kind of yeah. – I'm, like, I'm torn on that. And it's, it's sad to see. Uh, but like you said, I, I do think Tony, his next move needs to be get right back into that cage, win a fight. Uh, which you will again there's very few guys in that division will who will actually beat you yeah. and compete with you um so yeah win another fight and you're right back in there and then and let's go and let's make this fight happen i think you can even get ferguson against mcgregor oh yeah you could do that but i if i'm mcgregor i don't take that fight no i feel like tony is way too unpredictable tr- not just unpredictable but tricky uh, that is to say, like, if he stands up with Connor, Connor definitely has a a, a match on his hands. Which I think he will. I think Ferguson will stand up with him until, obviously, Connor knocks the dirt off of him and then he realizes. Right, yeah. But if I'm Tony, like, you could probably submit Connor. Yeah. Within, you know, within two rounds. Yeah, because I'm looking at the lightweight rankings and there's no one really here. You got Ferguson one, it looks like still. Dustin yeah. Poirier, Connor McGregor, Justin Gaethje. So I don't know if this is updated or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gaethje probably becomes automatic number one. Right. Um, uh, Dan Hooker, Donald Cerrone, who lost yesterday, I believe. Uh, Cerrone, he f- yes, he did. He lost to Pettis he yesterday. Lost, yeah, he lost to Pettis yesterday. Uh, Paul Fielder, uh, Charles Oliveira, Ala Quinta, Kevin Lee. Yeah, so that that division's kind of weak in my besides obviously Connor and Habib. Yeah, I think uh, that division's definitely like. That's very a four man. Heavy. It's a very top heavy. Yeah, just like yeah. top four guys are, are your best. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, like I said, there's a lot of matches you can make with the top four or five guys. Uh, but outside of that, you're right. Like it's it's kind of like none of the other guys are contenders. Really, there. No. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think whether or not he wants, oh, well, whether or not he wants to do it is between him and Dana. But Tony Ferguson probably. Uh, to fight Habib would uh, sorry uh, to fight uh, Connor would probably make the most sense. Yeah, just based off rankings. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so that uh, you know concludes the uh, UFC event from last night. Again, uh, props to the UFC; they did a terrific job putting on a, a great event uh, in a time in which you know people are so sorely needing some <laughs> live sports. Um, and, yep. you know, we might not be too far away from seeing live sports, but um, it's hard to say at this point, but it seems like they're getting the their ducks in a row, so to speak. But uh, great UFC event yesterday. Anything about uh, the UFC event you want to mention uh, before uh, we move on here? Uh, Joe Rogan's got some jokes. He, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he let a few of them out, thought it was funny. Uh, him, DC... Um, who's the third guy again? I forget. I forget the guy's uh, name. I think it was John Anik. Yeah, they were they were good as always. Um, very interesting. Fun fun fact, by the way, they were all sitting apart, eh? They were sitting apart. Yeah, they were. Pra- yeah, they were practicing social distancing. I, but I didn't notice that because when you hear them, it sounds like they're right next to each other. Yeah. Uh, but they were actually sitting at separate tables because uh, I did see a clip. I think uh, DC posted it on his Twitter or Instagram. Uh, where he kind of showed a little bit of a tour of the UFC setup. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of interesting how they had it. But uh, yeah. nonetheless, yeah, I think they did a good job. Uh, I, again, I think the UFC did a good job, all things considered. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, it is what it is at this point, and I'm happy that they were able to put something out for the fans. Yeah, it was funny because Greg Hardy, he asked Joe Rogan to be on his podcast after he won. Oh, which did I thought was Yeah, he did. I read the end, Joe Rogan interviewed him. And I figured he said a few things and he's like, oh yeah, get me on your podcast. And Joe Rogan just looked at him, smiles, like, all right, we'll get that done and walked away. So I don't know <laughs> if uh, Joe, that was more like a, Okay, we gotta get going, or if it was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, buddy, <laughs> we're gonna get. No, we'll get, we'll we'll get you on that show. Ah, uh, it's hard to say. I I feel like maybe a couple of years ago he definitely would have been on the Joe Rogan podcast, but these yeah. days Joe Rogan has some crazy guests on his podcast. Yeah, well, he had the, the Elon Musk part two. Yeah. Um, just this week. Uh, so that was pretty interesting. I I listened to the first one and the second one. Yeah. I like the first one a lot more than I like the second one. Second one is sort of like part two of the first one. Right. Um, and it sounded like Joe, Joe Rogan was high or something, which I think he likes oh. to be when he's talking to Elon because Elon has, a, I mean, the knowledge that Elon probably has or the conceptualization that Elon has about uh, reality and life is probably too wild for any of us to really imagine. So, Well, well, well let, let's not pretend here. Joe Rogan's high all the time. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe Rogan likes his pot, and uh, all credit to him. He's one of those guys who can function with it. Um, but... He says he does some of his, yeah, he's a stand-up, so he, he says he does some of his best writing uh, <laughs> in, the, in the night when he does, uh, you know, get get up to those heights, and right. uh, he starts writing his bits. and, and whatnot. He's, he's really big. I didn't know how big he was on the community, uh, community, on the comedy scene, but he's like, that's like, that's his like heart and soul. I don't think he's not to like disrespect him. I don't think he's super funny. I've listened to his stuff. Right. Um, but he definitely is recognized as a comedian and he's yeah. always at the comedy store in LA. So I definitely knew that he had a, you know, very strong presence there because he had that whole feud with Carlos Mencia back in the day, mm. uh, talking about Carlos Mencia stealing jokes. And he was at the forefront of that with his buddy. Uh, I think it was Ari, 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 Gold. Ari, Sh Ari Sh yeah. Is okay. It's Ari not Ari Gold. It's like Ari Gold's Ari the guy Sun. from, uh, that, uh, show, isn't it? Show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's, what's it called? Entourage? Yeah. Entourage. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Ari Schaefer or something. Right. Yeah, something like that. Oh, yeah, Ari Schaefer, yeah. yeah. Ari Schaefer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, uh, yeah, I think those two guys were at the forefront of the, like, Carlos Mencia stuff. Um, but yeah, Jorgen obviously came up in comedy, but uh, I believe his podcast is making him... Oh, he's an, huge, dude. And it's saying, like, tens of he, millions each year, I believe. Yeah, yeah, people, I've heard. people, people listen to, I listen to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, quite, quite, quite often. Uh, yeah. It's just interesting. Some of the people he talks to, I mean, some of them are good. Some of them are bad, but it's hit or miss. It's, it's really kind of like the vibe you get. I right. find that his best hosts are comedians. Yeah. Um, well, I think we talked about this too, but I think it's the fact that they're buddies, right? Yeah. But even sometimes he has uh, comedians that aren't really super, super close with him. Yeah. I mean, some of his most interesting podcasts I find, uh, there was one guy, I forget the guy's name, but his, uh, his calling in life, I guess you can say, is to convert KKK members uh, from the Klan uh, just to regular society to show them that, you know, um, people of race and color uh, are just as smart or just as intelligent. We're just regular people. We're just people, right? And Daryl Dawkins, I believe the guy's name is. Um, so uh, those are very interesting. When he meets, you know, guests who are doing things like that, you've never even heard of these kinds of things before, right? So... Um, and I think it's very telling too on on Joe Rogan's part that he's able to secure these guests because he get, he has a lot of guests too that um, 
you know, are controversial figures in, in their relative, you know, industries and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, the fact that they agreed to come on his show is uh, you know, kind of, yeah, it kind of tells you the kind of host that he is and the fact that he's willing to listen to everything and everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, he's pretty wi widely known in the entertainment industry. And I mean, to have Elon Musk right after the week that he had, uh, you know, commenting on stock prices and saying things like free America and stuff like that and getting him the next week. Pretty awesome. I mean, I think they have, they have a friendship obviously now, right. but he does have interesting guys that he may know nothing about, but I say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do your podcast. Uh, now, but now, he does free advertising for them as well. So now, now briefly, I just want to talk about Elon Musk cause he is under a little bit of scrutiny cause I think of his comments on the coronavirus. Uh, but also I, I believe, uh, just, I saw on Reddit today that he was suing, uh, the state, yeah. uh, I forget it was state. <laughs> for bringing the, back. Yeah. I think it's California. Yeah. For yeah. bringing the factory back. Yeah. So, um, Elon Musk, know. man, he's an interesting character. Do you, you think he's a good guy, bad guy, neutral? How do you feel about him? Uh, I think his, oh man, it's, I, I, I think things like good and bad are just, they're subjective. So I don't want to say he's a good guy or a bad guy, but I want to say that, uh, He's really, he really thinks, he's a, he thinks outside the box, but he's also a vision. He's a vision. So people who are visionaries, uh, they see like thousand years down the road as an example. And you, and you sort of hear it. He's always talking about going to Mars and colonizing space, et cetera, et cetera. Things are like aliens would do basically. Um, so he was even saying stuff on the, on the podcast that, you know, I'm going to sell my house and give away all my belongings because you sort of, and it sort of goes back to Avatar. I don't know if you've seen Avatar or not. Uh, of course, of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Where uh, one of the bad guys, I forget what season it was. I think it was the third season or second season where it's like, says, enter, yes. enter the void, right? You let go of all your material belongings, right? So right. he was he was sort of dabbing on that concept. Um, that said, if you want to fly, you sort of have to let go of all your earthly belongings here. Right. Um, so I, I think he, uh, there's some, ideologies that are way out there that he accepts as truths just because that's sort of how his brain works so um he's just he's one of those super interesting human beings um he, just like us he's failed and he's succeeded he's obviously very successful right but he's he's failed along the way so um he's very human but at the same time uh he is quite something is what i can say I, I yeah I I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. He's kind of uh, an interesting kind of prolific character. Um, yeah, you're right. You can't really say someone is good or bad because he's doing a little bit. You know, obviously I say for the most part he's doing good things out there, uh, yeah. but obviously there's some things that I don't agree with. Uh, the coronavirus was one of them. It was kind of like uh, it's a little. I, w I wasn't expecting that from you, uh, Elon. But uh, that said, I think for the most part, you know. I, 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 I don't mind supporting a guy like him. Yeah, uh, he's interesting, that's for sure. <laughs> and the mere fact that you created a flamethrower was just strange. So well, that uh, was and, just for fun, I believe, too. And it sold out. And he, and he was yeah. telling people not to buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But you can't control consumers, so. No, and of course, you tell people not to buy it, what are they going to do? They're going to go out and buy it, obviously. Buy it, yeah. So who knows if that was just a marketing ploy or not. But uh, anyways, yeah. uh this podcast is called the WrestleBall Podcast, so let's talk about a little bit of basketball. Obviously, what's killing the airlines right now is the last dance. We talked a little bit about it last week, 
Um, we <laughs> talked about the fact that we, uh, you and I, didn't grow up, at, uh, you know, watching Michael Jordan, watching Larry Bird, watching Magic Johnson, watching all these uh, legends of the sport. Uh, but The Last Dance is really giving us a glimpse into this kind of era that we didn't get to see. Um, first off, let's talk about The Last Dance. Um, what are your thoughts on, about, on it? How do you feel about Michael Jordan? How do you feel about this documentary? Well, the last two episodes last week uh, were about the Dream Team. And uh, the episode after that was like sort of uh, where people started poking Michael Jordan about his gambling. Uh, so let's talk about the Dream Team first. Um, that was a pretty awesome team. Magic, Bird, Jordan, Pippen, oh, Rod man. Rodman, but uh, no. Stockton, Carl Malone. Just, uh, yeah, Carl Malone. No, uh, yeah, but the, I think the silver line was that uh, Isaiah Thomas or Zeke, as he's known as, not IT. but Not Zeke. IT, not IT, you noobs out there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but that's one of the things people were complaining about. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I think yeah, I think the uh, the real issue there was that, uh, and Isaiah Thomas has been getting a lot of guff from this documentary, oddly enough. And we'll talk about Isaiah in a second, because uh, yeah. uh, you know how I feel about that. But I'll let yeah. you finish your thought here. Yeah, so... Uh, the dream team, quite you know, quite the thing to behold, uh, that they would ask Jordan to bail the USA out of a slumping, you know, gold medal run, even silver medal run, I think, uh, for team for team USA basketball. So quite the impressive team uh, they had put together. I've always heard of the dream team. I used to have a poster of the dream team in my room with uh, Alonzo Mo Alonzo Mora morning morning yeah yeah. Uh, so who not by that the way is a punk. For yeah, not, I'm not a <laughs> for not dressing up for the Raptors, but yeah. uh, I'm actually not a fan of his. I just <laughs> I happen to have the poster, and I think uh, what do you call? Uh, I was into Space Jam and stuff back then. Yeah. So I think any basketball player would have done it for me. Right. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's a pretty monumental team. I mean, when uh, LeBron said that he had the Dream Team Part Two, I was like, no, I don't think so, and I don't think anyone else did. Uh, so I don't think you can get a team like this. Ooh, that's a tough one. I feel like LeBron's team was very, very good too, man. You're talking about yeah. LeBron. Kobe was on that team as well, right? I believe so, yeah. You had Kobe. Kobe, Durant, Westbrook, I believe. Uh, Carmelo. Are you talking about the second time around? Did they play, oh, they play man, twice, I don't right? Know. I, I, I could be mixing the teams up. Because I feel like uh, Durant wasn't in the league the first time i may be wrong though i may be wrong uh, but anyways going back to the original dream team um let's get right into the isaiah thomas talk so let's talk about the fact do you th okay i'm gonna ask you this and i think everybody knows the answer but was yes. isaiah thomas snubbed yes yes okay so he was snubbed do you think it was jordan i don't think it was jordan i think it was all the guys i so think do you think jordan at least had a part to play in it Oh, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you, you're, you're a leader. You're, you know, same way I am. Like if, if I lead my group of friends and I'm making a team with my group of friends and I don't like a guy, I'm going to say, yo, I don't want this guy to be my team. And you guys will be most likely be like, yeah, true. Because well, he's I, had beef with other guys on this team too, including I, uh, Magic Johnson, which is a big one, right? Right. So. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said he's the leader so despite the fact that he may or may not have initiated the decision i feel like any decision that happens on there goes through michael jordan mm -hmm. 
Uh, at least, at least one of those guys. Like it probably goes through Larry Bird and and Magic Johnson as well, but it definitely goes through Michael Jordan as well. Um, so yeah, I definitely think he had a part to play in in snubbing Isaiah Thomas. Um, that said, I mean, if it wasn't Isaiah, I mean, like if you put Isaiah on there, you probably got to take off legends like John Stockton, which is yeah, crazy. well, yeah. Uh, I don't. I'm looking at I'm looking at the picture at least. Um, Patrick Ewing, Magic Johnson, uh, David Robinson, obviously Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, um, John, I think I said John Stockton already, Scottie Pippen, uh, Larry Bird. I think there's a few other guys there. It's possible that you could interchange the guys that I, I can't recognize just off their face, but I don't think people like Zeke very much. Uh, <laughs> he's never been liked. He's just had that bad rep. He, you know, and it stems from magic. From magic, I think. Uh, more than likely, and and the crazy thing about magic and and Isaiah too is they were very very close. They were brothers at a point. Uh, they yeah. were that close. Yeah. I think it started to uh, go sour when Magic Johnson had uh, HIV. Sus- yeah, when he got HIV and suspected that it was one of the guys who was Just spreading. Uh, yeah, you know, Sexual criticizing preference. him. Um, now, what I will say in Isaiah Thompson's defense is uh, there are a couple of situations in his life where I feel like it kind of contradicts that kind of behavior because first and foremost, his brother had HIV. Um, so he's not, you know, he's not um, someone, you know, talking from the outside. He has personal experience with uh, someone who has HIV. So to make, you know, to make light of that situation or to criticize that someone with HIV would be out of characteristic because of that, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. the other thing too, is it was uh, widely um, reported that uh, during the, one of the all-star games, he said that, you know what, not only is Magic Johnson going to play the all-star game, but we're going to shake his hand after. <laughs> um, and so to me, like, like, is this the same guy that would actually spread rumors and, and talk bad about uh, Magic Johnson because he has HIV? I mean, it it's very telling. I don't know. Like, for me, no. So. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. Yes and no. I think what happened from, I, I, I've watched a Larry Bird and uh, Magic Johnson documentary um, that touched on this basically when um magic johnson had was diagnosed with hiv um i think the thing was i think they asked zeke whether or not uh what magic's sexual preference was and he said well i i can't comment on that and he he couldn't really comment on that but again like you were like you touched on that it was also very possible that he was spreading something um so i i just think it was never the same after that uh the relationships that he could have had with anybody, especially being on the bad boy team in Detroit, you know, not shaking hands with Jordan when, you right, know, right. when, when, when they lost and, and, and he, he, and Zeke brought up a good point that when, when Boston lost to them, Boston did the same thing and no one batted an eye. Right. So it is circumstantial. And, and I know, I, at least I know one person that doesn't like Jordan. And I think a lot of people, I, and not a lot of people, but I think there are a good percentage of people that don't like Jordan. Um, and, and, and it's because, um, because of what Detroit, Detroit was playing, very rough defense and uh, I think Jordan went to you know David Stern at the time and 
change the rules so that he could dominate. And it is well, what it is, right? It, it definitely doesn't help that Isaiah Thomas was the captain of <laughs> that Detroit Pistons team, the bad boy Pistons, yeah. right? You yeah. know, they had beef with Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, everybody, everybody yeah. right? Yeah. And, and they played a style of basketball that was controversial. Yeah. They go out there to to hurt players and, and to take them down. And I think that's just that just lingers. That doesn't go away. Because basketball's a lot more was a lot more personal back then than it is now, right? That said, one interesting thing to note was the coach of that dream team was the Detroit Pistons coach. Oddly enough, yeah. Oddly enough. So um, yeah, I mean I, I definitely do think Isaiah Thomas got snubbed. Um, at the same time, he definitely didn't do himself any favors in terms of, you know, having good relations with the other players in the league. Yeah, I just think it's one of those things where uh, there was no going back from it, and you were just an easy target. And we all need someone to hate sometimes. And oh, for sure, that's I just mean, what it was. Right? Till this day, Larry Bird uh, um, will tell you straight up that he does not like what's his name, Bill Bill Lambier. What's his name? That sounds right. But Lambeer, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, from I know Detroit Pistons, about. right? So uh, the same guy. No one was... liked Lambeer. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, funnily enough, he's a coach for one of the yeah. WNBA. Bill Lambeer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a coach for one of the WNBA teams. Um, but again, uh, I mean, he was just playing his role, right, ultimately. If, if Rodman didn't join the Chicago Bulls, I'm pretty sure everybody would hate Rodman as well. Oddly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. It's popularity, right? It's Jordan's the popular guy. You want to be on Jordan's team. You want to be, you know, friends with Jordan. Jordan's the most popular guy. It is what it is, right? So that's right. That's that's sort of what makes him, you know, who he is. He was, he was like a young generation of basketball player. Uh, so you know, uh, that personality and attitude. Yeah, for sure. So going back to the last dance, um, how has this changed your opinion on that era of basketball? Has this um, changed the rankings of all-time greats, in your opinion? Any Anything at all. I'll say straight up, right off the bat, Larry Bird has become one of my favorites after watching The Last Dance and starting to go down that rabbit hole. I started going on YouTube, watching Larry Bird highlights. And, and you know, man, I started talking to you about all these people on Reddit talking trash about Larry Bird. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, how can you say that? And I'm a guy who didn't get to watch Larry Bird. All I got to see is highlights, you know, 30 years removed from the game. And yeah. I, even I can tell this man was something special. Yeah. But last dance for you has affected your, um, you know, your view of the sport. Well, uh, with regards to Bird, again, I watched that Bird and Magic documentary, and that really heightened my respect for Larry Bird, who he is as a person and who he was as a basketball player. He's super competitive as well. Um, uh, definitely Jordan is the uh, GOAT. Uh, right. Just based on what he's able to accomplish, based on his mentality and his mindset, which you can sort of see adopted, was adopted by Kobe as well, who I also, uh, I, I, I put him really high up there as well, just, just because of his competitive nature and his success. Right. Um, so um, I think someone who's, who hasn't been talked about too much, I think was uh, Shaquille O'Neal, who was, I believe, on Orlando at the time, yes. who was also a super dominant player, but he wasn't really successful, obviously, until he went to the Lakers later on. Right. Um, so I don't know if they will be speaking about him. Well, the uh, funny thing, too, was um, with Shaq, at least, was his third year in the league, they already started saying that he was, like, an all-time great. He was, like, a 
fiftieth all time best player. Already, uh, yeah. Yeah, that early in his career. Um, and, and you've heard the legends of how unstoppable he was in his prime. Uh, also, I believe it was Orlando that knocked out Chicago um, in, was it the 94-95 um, season in which uh, Michael Jordan returned from retirement halfway through the season? Obviously, the Bulls didn't win that year. Um, Michael Jordan didn't get a full year, so that you know makes sense. But I believe it was Orlando that knocked them out. Um, so yeah, you're right. Like you would think that's Shaq and Penny Hardaway would have had, you know, would have won a championship. Yeah. But uh, it just, it was Jordan's Jordan era, right? So yeah, you're not going to win. <laughs> that's um, right. Well, it's sad to see that's, uh, you know, he had to go to LA to win. Cause I feel like he probably could have won in Orlando. Yeah. Maybe if he, he just would have stayed. Just, yeah. He just had to wait it out. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah, so it was, uh, I mean, it doesn't really change anything. Definitely Jordan is, I mean, cultural icon. Uh, he is the greatest basketball player, at least in our generation. I think of all generations. Yeah. Um, just because of his competitive edge. Yeah. Uh, this, I, mm-hmm. I, think, I think The Last Dance made that very clear cut. Yeah, well, and we talked about this. We'll really know how in-depth this documentary goes once they start talking about his gambling, which is what they sort of started doing in the last episode, um, where a book, uh, a book of uh, scrutiny of the gambling um, came out about Michael Jordan, and uh, people started questioning who he was now, uh, because clearly if you're that successful and, you know, dirt like this comes up, it's, it's something you have to deal with, because people are just always looking to sort of bring you down. Um, what are your thoughts on his gambling? Uh, I'll say this I think he was a heavy gambler but you know there's nothing to me that says that he did anything illegal such as betting uh, against you know like throwing games in order to win bets I think if he gambled on himself it's exactly that gambling on himself to win and and I personally don't see any problem with that if you put a bet on yourself to win what's wrong with that and I, I get it like people find gambling they, they'll, they'll say it's a conflict of interest but really is it a conflict of interest if you're betting on yourself to win yeah um i i think it's strange because you're absolutely right if you're if you're betting on yourself i mean in our heads we're always betting on ourselves right when we do things so absolutely it's no different but obviously he's putting physical money on it and and when i think it was a morality and ethics thing in regards to being in the NBA, that you but even shouldn't. even then, like, what's the ethical argument? Because you're not altering your game in any way. If anything, you're just making yourself play a little bit harder because you want to win. So I don't see any ethical issues with that. I mean, ultimately, like, I would understand if he bet on himself to lose, because obviously then you're throwing games. But if you're betting on yourself to win, it just means you're gonna go out there and you're gonna play your best. Yeah, it's true, but it's also you could be jeopardizing the team. Um, you could be jeopardizing, you know, other players and their ability to contribute to the team. Um, it, it's a, probably a lot of things that we don't think about, uh, but it's still there. Do I think it's wrong um, for Jordan to be betting on games? I mean, that's it's a hard question for me really to answer. At one point, maybe earlier in, 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 earlier in my lifetime, I would have said, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I don't think things are as clear-cut as they make it out to be because of guys like Donahue that existed in the game anyway. Um, 
I don't think anything was wrong to say, hey, I'm going to drop 60 on you guys tonight. Because um, for all we know, Larry Bird was doing it. Magic Johnson was doing it. Will Chamberlain was for sure doing it. That guy was a player, player, player uh, right. in, in many respects. So um, just the fact that uh, we sort of moved on to the age of, uh, you know, media and internet and all this icky, icky stuff that, uh, you know, constant 24-7 nonstop reporting was occurring. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go ahead and say uh, it didn't bother me too much, especially considering what he was able to accomplish. But again, going back to the documentary, we'll really know how detailed it was if they do speak about, you know, those two years where Jordan went missing, quote unquote. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, uh, that's the other thing too. Like, um, do we th- believe that uh, his two years in baseball was just, you know, an suspension. informal suspension? Yeah. I believe it. Why would you retire, you know, in the, the prime time. of your career, yeah. you know, three year tr- championships in a row and, and to go to baseball, like, doesn't make sense to me, but could you uh, imagine so I, if he would have won? Eight, in, if he lived in a timeline where he won eight championships, <laughs> could have been a possibility, right? So, like, how? What would would like? The thing is, think about that timeline. He's won eight championships. Maybe he doesn't go to Washington, and not that it matters. Um, where does he then rank? Like, he's Michael Jordan. Yeah, undoubtedly the best. As opposed all to right. now where we still think first, he's the best? First, first of all, he's already undoubtedly the best. Okay. So where, did, <laughs> so where would the eight championships put him? Untouchable? I don't think it changes his ranking, but I think you hit I think you hit it right there. I think it turns him from somebody who is very, very untouchable to completely untouchable. So yeah. Because you're talking about a guy who competed in a in a league with very good players. Yeah. He played against Larry Bird, he played against Magic Johnson. <laughs> And there really is no knock in terms of that because you talk about Bill Russell, you talk about Will Chamberlain, the knock on them is always the competition level was soft. Um, and obviously those two were their own competition, right? It was always Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain. But when you talk about Jordan, he played with Larry Bird, he played with Magic Johnson, he played against Isaiah Thomas, he played against Carl Malone, he played against Clyde Drexler, he played against early Kobe Bryant and Shaq, you know, like, yeah he played them all yeah yeah so you you put in eight championships in a row absolutely untouchable yeah at this point though he's very nearly untouchable um that's that isn't to say that he can't one day be surpassed i mean somebody comes in and wins eight championships and leads the league and wins mvps obviously they're going to surpass michael but um it's going to be very difficult and that's got to be the perfect like beyond perfect storm because we see a lot of great players now and I don't like Harden's super efficient and Giannis is super efficient. And even then we debate whether they can even win championships. So that like, that's, that's how insane this is. But I go back to the LA Clippers now where Kawhi Leonard name kind of floats around and he flirts with being, you know, Okay, first of all, Kawhi Leonard will never be close enough to to Michael Jordan. At this point, I don't even know if Kawhi Leonard is going to be close enough to LeBron James. Uh, If he wins one more, he will. Yeah, he will be. He'll surpass LeBron James. Even then, you gotta consider their longevity, right? You're talking about a guy who, you know, since San Antonio has basically been taking games off. That's got to count for something. Right? Yeah, for you're, sure. When when you're comparing him with LeBron, a guy who's hardly ever missed any games in his career, 
uh, the you know the amount of mileage that LeBron James has has to count for something, and I think that's going to be one of Kawhi's downfall when 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 we look back at his career is the fact that he, he just wasn't healthy. Yeah, and he had to take games off. But when he is healthy, he's he's the best player on that court. Arguably, we saw what Kevin Durant did. Kevin Durant could easily be the best player on the court, right? Right. We saw him for 10 minutes in the Golden State Raptors series, and he absolutely just had his way with us. Uh, so um, definitely Kawhi is in my top three currently, uh, especially when he's at his best. Um, but that said, like, we've seen those glimpses from everybody. Like, you look at Steph Curry, when he gets hot, looks like the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. LeBron James, when he gets hot, best player on the court, right? So, um, yeah, I think with Kawhi again, going back to it, Again, my knock on him is just his longevity. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I I get that. But I just, uh, that killer instinct, his success rate, he has the highest, I think, win-loss percentage. Obviously, he's choosing games, yada, yada. So I get that point. Uh, but just that killer instinct. And uh, yeah. if he does win in the Clippers, he would be the first player to do so in three different franchises, which would be monumental in, in some respect. And also, uh, he tied uh lebron's record for not record but lebron's championship race rings lebron wins with the lakers that's three teams as well which it won't which it won't <laughs> lakers are so screwed uh, they, they don't even know how screwed they are because if ad decides to leave which is a big possibility they've just given up all their draft picks for this guy for one year and, and lebron james uh who's you know on the latter end of his career and to me, he's only really only, he's really only in LA because of his son. Uh, the schools that LA has for basketball development, and also the the massive amounts of businesses that he owns. So, right, uh, and we talked about this though off off camera. But um, LeBron could go anywhere he wants. Let's be real. If he doesn't, you know, he doesn't need to stay in LA. Obviously, he wants to stay in L.A., but if he wanted to, he could go play in Golden State or Sacramento or anywhere close to L.A. Because let's be real, you're talking about a guy who probably could own a private jet if he wanted to. His family could totally stay in L.A. and he could play somewhere else and he could easily see them on a one-hour flight. You know what I mean? So um, for me, LeBron James, um, I don't necessarily – I agree with you that L.A. screwed themselves. But in terms of LeBron James, I definitely feel like uh, his opportunity is always going to be there because he can he can go to most players and say, hey, do you want to play together? And they'll say yes. I don't agree with that. I don't think most players would say yes anymore. He's having trouble getting players to, to join uh, Space Jam 2. So I don't... <laughs> Space Jam 2 is different from the game of basketball. You're talking about LeBron James, who's still in the MVP race despite being 34 years, 35 years old. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's pretty buddy-buddy with Kevin Durant, and that never happened. Chris Paul sort of the same way. That never happened. Carmelo's the same way, and he couldn't even get him a spot on. Well, he didn't want Lakers. Carmelo, first of all. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And and I'm just saying, I don't know if any everyone really wants to play with LeBron. For I don't know okay. whatever reason. but Fair enough, but he could get a good enough player to play. Yeah, like, like Westbrook would for sure go. I mean, Westbrook, Westbrook posts OKC, yeah, because OKC was his home. And not until, you know, that sort of crumbled. Now he has no home. So I could, yeah, I could see someone like Westbrook, even possibly Harden. 
uh, those guys would definitely meet up with with LeBron, and I think that would be Hold great on. for them. So, so you're telling me if Golden State didn't want LeBron, or um, say they sorry, I phrased that question wrong. But if if Golden State wanted LeBron, you don't think Steph Curry or Klay Thompson wouldn't be like, hell yeah, we'll have LeBron? I don't think so. That's their rival. What? Oh no, it's man. a rival, man. Oh, you're talking about the same Golden State team that signed Kevin Durant after destroying them in the playoffs. Come on, man. Yeah, but that's not their rival. Kevin Durant was a bitch who went over there <laughs> and joined. If you couldn't beat him, join him. Listen, that was, that's his. Uh... Golden State also got uh, cousins. You know, like clearly they want superstars. Like clearly it doesn't really. They got matter. cousins for cheap, right? They they took you know they got uh, D'Lo, like they they want stars. Ultimately, they took Delo so that he could trade him. <laughs> Every, everyone knew that going into it. <laughs> the point is, though, Delo has fits n- not at all with Golden State. But the reason Golden State wants him is because they want stars. Let's be real. They wanted and, a and, trade trip, though. Yeah, what's the, what's the biggest star than LeBron James? Yeah, all right. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that happens. But sure, I, sure. Yeah. If, I, like, let's be honest. If I, if yes, if I have, a, if I'm a GM. And I'm looking at my squad and LeBron's like, yeah, I want to come over. Yes. Yes. I agree with you there. But you're saying Steph Curry now. Steph, you want LeBron to come? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm not saying Steph Curry wants LeBron. What I'm saying is that if Golden State said, hey, Steph, we want LeBron, Steph's going to say, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think so, man. <laughs> but I don't know, man. That's just maybe just I mean, it's all hypotheticals. Feelings. It's all hypotheticals. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong very, uh, very much as well. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just don't get that feeling from Steph where he's going to put his ego in the way and say, no, we don't want LeBron. Yeah, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's definitely a great player. Uh, but uh, I think the tides are turning now. And uh, You the, say you, that. You the say young, that. The young guys. Pull up are... LeBron's stats. Pull up LeBron's stats. No, no, no. Dare it's, you. it's just like Westbrook. <laughs> it's sort of like that Westbrook thing. If he's not getting a triple-double, we can't even include him in the MVP it's just like right? Westbrook. Get out of here. Yeah. No, but, I'm just uh, saying, like, in terms yeah, of like, narratives, right? So. Right, right. Um, okay, so um, I think that's enough basketball. Let's touch a little bit about wrestling before we end off this podcast. Um, obviously, tonight is going to be Money in the Bank. I know you've been keeping up with AEW. I haven't really seen much ex- outside of the highlights on YouTube. Um, so let's start off with AEW since you probably know more about that. So uh, tell me about AEW right now. What's going on with it? You know, how do you feel about AEW right now? Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, they're doing the, uh, well, let's talk about the main event first, which I thought was great. It was Kenny Omega and, uh, oh boy, Kenny Omega and, oh, this is bad. Anyway, it was Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, um, and it was uh, Kenny Omega. Why can't I think of this guy's name? Uh, Matt Hardy. Oh. Yeah, Matt Hardy made his debut in AEW. Oh, so they teamed up together. They teamed up together, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, And they fought uh, against uh, Guevara and Chris Jericho in a street fight. Uh, It was a good match, actually. It was just hardcore. They were all over the place. Uh, there was all the highlights for that actually. Yes, there was one bump where uh, <laughs> Matt Hardy is driving, picks up uh, uh, Kenny cart. Omega, yeah, the golf cart, and they, they, they definitely run. They they hit Sammy Guevara, but he takes a huge bump, 
which I thought was like, damn, that sucks. He, he did like a 360 mid ear yeah. from hitting that thing. I yeah. saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that looked pretty bad, but uh, he's that was just great. Uh, and it ended off with uh, uh, obviously the inner circle inter uh, interfering, um, giving them the win, and then they did this nice little. I think they're at Seiko Field or something. I, I could be definitely wrong about that, but they're in a baseball stadium. So there's an open roof. So while they were just standing there, there the sign said uh, inner circle. And I think maybe one firework or two fireworks came out, which I thought that was really cool. So, um, all right. It was a, it was a good ending. It was a good match. So the thing I'll say about AEW at this point, again, I haven't been watching too much AEW, but I feel like there's not, really any long-lasting storylines currently going on right now well the thing about aw is they they do long-lasting storylines they don't do short storylines so like uh like the inner circle always has a feud against uh the aw guys i feel right right so it's sort of it's something that happens every so often the leads yeah yeah Yeah. so that that occurs i mean cody has his beef with like sean spears and stuff like that so these are like they do carry over it's just that because of the current situation, they sort of just do a rotation with it. Yeah, I feel like they're not really putting them at the forefront. This no. is kind of lingering storylines. But it's because they don't do pay-per-views every month. They do pay-per-views every like three or four months. So right. usually yeah. like a week or two leading up to it, they'll build the characters up in terms of their wrestling matches and their wins. And then a week or two before the pay-per-view, then they'll have their opponents uh, ready to, you know, for them to, to, to be challenged. So gotcha. it's, they do it a little differently, but it still works because you still sort of see rivalries uh, that haven't been seen in a while, but come back. So sort of like uh, uh, Kenny Omega and uh, Pac, they don't have, uh, they have a, a long-standing rivalry and they'll fight every so often and, and just like grud- rubber matches, grudge matches. So it's, it's always interesting when they do it that way too. Right. Um, so. AEW is kind of doing their own thing. Again, I don't think there's been any crazy advancing storylines, but like you said, no. they've been putting on good matches and good content out there. So yeah, um, Brody Lee's real. Brody Lee's actually going to challenge um, John Moxley. Oh, John Moxley for the belt, which I thought was a kind of too soon push. That's right. For some reason, I thought Omega was the title holder. You're right. Uh, sorry, John um, Mox. Yeah, John Moxley. Yeah, which I thought uh, was strange. Probably the right time to do it, but. I thought it was too soon for Brody to be pushed in a championship match. I I don't I don't think he's taking this and running with it, but he is a good heel. But I mean, it's easy to do when you have a gang of people. I'm not a huge fan of Brody Lee. I gotta say, I I loved him like I loved him in WWE, um, but I feel like they try to market him in AWS as like this Monster. mega superstar when really he hasn't earned it yet. Yeah um so i don't know for me i feel like he needs to do a little bit more just to get into that spot uh, obviously when he came in he was gifted the, the you know the leader of the the um the dark order yeah. um but i again i feel like he has to wrestle a little bit more gain that legacy before he starts you know before they market him as this end all be all kind of character yep um but so AEW is kind of doing their thing. Anything else really with AEW though? Um, not really. Uh, they got Jake the Snake Roberts, who's uh, uh, the, he has his fighter Chris Archer, who's gonna fight Cody. So Lance, Brand, Lance. sorry, Lance Arch, Ar- Archer. 
Yeah. Uh, so I think Brody cut a promo with Jake the Snake, and then uh, um, uh, Lance Archer fought uh, QT Marshall, which is part of Cody's clique. Uh, he destroys him, obviously. And then uh, I think what happened was Britt Baker got involved somehow and Brandy like smacked her only for Britt Baker to come out after the match. She's in the crowd. Dr. Britt Baker. <laughs> Dr. Britt Baker. Yes. She comes into the crowd. Uh, sorry, she comes out of the crowd. She smacks Brandy. She throws her into the ring. And then I think Jake the Snake Roberts proceeds to put a snake on her. It was kind of... Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a little okay. odd though. I didn't, I didn't really like it too much. It was weird. Just right. the way he was like acting, it was like a weird old man, you know. You right. know, what, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was a little creepy. So I, maybe that's what they were going for. I'm sure Cody wouldn't put him his wife in that situation without uh, yeah, knowing. Yeah. So it was yeah. He basically he put a snake on her. Um, right. And it was you know big of her to not be like screaming <laughs> when that happened. So other than that, not much else happened. Right on. Uh, okay, so let's get to our final topic then. Let's talk about tonight's main event, uh, or tonight's event uh, by the WWE, Money in the Bank. Um, first and foremost, they put out a weird um, news, I guess, uh, where they're talking about that the matches will go simultaneously. Yeah. They didn't really explain what that meant, but I'm assuming it means that the matches are going to go on throughout the event. Yeah. Well, that's what you think it is. I, I don't know how you can do that because I don't know if I can be watching Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt or what the hell, Braun Strowman versus The Fiend, and then have this match in the background. Like, well, like I said, it's already been confirmed that like the money in the bank is gonna go all the way to the roof of the building. Yeah. So I feel like they're just gonna go backstage and then let them do their thing backstage while they have the other matches. It's very strange. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, very strange. Um. We got Jeff Jeff Hardy facing Cesaro, so I guess this is Jeff Hardy's return from sobriety. I mean, non-sobriety. <laughs> so that should be interesting. They should give Cesaro the win, but they probably won't. No, um, I think they wanna they wanna bring Jeff Hardy back into the front. Yeah, they do. Uh, you got Braun versus the Fiend. I'm not sure what's gonna happen there. Uh, it just seems everything strange with the Fiend and his matches. Uh, it could be like a two-minute match or it could be like an actual match, which I obviously don't see it being either because Braun would just cripple him. So I'm going to say that might be like a Hollywood match, meaning that he's going to do his old video screen tricks. Right, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And whatnot, pre-tape kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you got Bailey and Tamina. I don't, which is a weird yeah. title fight, but all right. Uh, Bailey's going to win that. Yeah, uh, Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins, which should be a good match. Should be Drew, uh, but should be a good match, like you said. Yeah, Drew's going to win. I don't think Seth is winning. Yeah, I don't see that. Um, they've been trying to – they're bigging up Drew for forever. So it just is what it is. There's a tag team, fatal four-way tag team match. Uh, I'm tired of seeing these now because they're the same guys over and over and over again. So I'm not even going to bother talking about this. Um, right. And then you got right. R-Truth versus MVP, which I don't even know how that got onto the card. I guess we're going back to the you know 2000 era, but uh, it yeah. is what it is. Uh, and then obviously you got your money in the bag yeah. matches. So Oscar, which... Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and Carmella. So I'm going to say either uh, Baszler or Lacey Evans will win. Yeah, I agree with you there. I would give an outside shot to Oscar. Yeah. Um, but I I do think it'll be one of those two, and in between those two, I think it's going to be Baszler. Yeah, I'm going to go Lacey Evans. 
um, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, King Corbin, Otis, and AJ Styles in the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, which I think is great. That's going to be a tough one to call. If I had to choose anyone, it would obviously have to be Aleister Black because he's the guy that's sort of like next in line. But, yeah. you know, AJ could always win it. Yeah. They could give it to King you know, Corbin. Yeah. They Again. could do that. Again. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Um, so, yeah, all these guys really could win. Like, they could give it to Otis just because he has a storyline going on right now. Yeah, no. Uh, we're going go, <laughs> to go go Aleister Black and AJ Styles, I think. Yeah. Uh, Daniel yeah. Bryan with the uh, outside look. But... Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so it should be a, you know, hopefully it's a good event. I, don't, I won't say it should be a good event because, again, with the news that it's going to be a simultaneous match, Plus the fact that you got a couple of weird matches on there. I don't know how good the event will be, but let's see. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, that's basically the WrestleBall podcast for this week. Um, obviously, we are trying to do this podcast weekly now uh, since we've got the setup all right and ready. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to maintain that schedule. But uh, if there is no further uh, things you want to talk about, Mark? Yeah, I think the last thing was uh, WWE started their... Michael Jordan-esque documentary of uh, All right. yes. uh, The Undertaker called The Last Ride. Uh, just a five-part documentary on Undertaker's career. I guess maybe because he's going to call it quit soon. I don't really know, but it's going to start tonight right after Money in the Bank. Um, I may or may not check it out. I do have work in the morning, and I don't really know how long it's going to be. But again, I, I anticipate Money in the Bank might be done really early. Right. Uh, so I don't know. So yeah, um, it should be interesting. I've seen the one of, i've seen a lighter documentary on Undertaker, but nothing personal so if this is personal that'll definitely open up a different perspective into his life which would be interesting i'll definitely yeah watch it sometime i don't know if i'll watch it live tonight um it's kind of funny that they're jumping on the last dance bandwagon there but yeah. uh well right I, now would be the perfect time to screen whatever you want on tv because it's not like we have anything else to do that's right uh, so with that said, uh, you've guys been listening to the Russell Ball Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, you've been joined by myself, Joe Stai, along with my, my good buddy, Mark Belraj. And Mark, last words? Cinco, cinco, sit. All right, we'll catch you guys next week. Take care, guys. <laughs>